Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I'm joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And that is it. Dave Watson is, um, as we speak, a married man. Yeah. In, I think he will have arrived by now. He's on the island of St. Lucia. Um, uh, I don't know the, what room his room number is. <laughs> we can find out. We'll, we'll put it in the notes of the podcast exactly where he is. But um, yeah, Dave got married on Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, neither me nor Paul could attend. So, but Paul, you helped him out with his uh, speech. I chucked a bit of a bit of stardust in there. Well done. I've not invoiced. That's friendship. He didn't ask me. <laughs> Didn't ask me if it, if I could give him any advice on his speech. I'm like, have well, because I've done a a groom speech, and you haven't. So Did he know that. that you'd done that? He must have done. Because I'm married, right? Because I'm the Hackney Empire New Actors <laughs> of the Year. I like that you've taken it personally, though, as well. Well, I, you know, I know I understand why you made that choice because you're quite sort of mainstream and you appeal to like. <laughs> You can appeal to like a broad spectrum, whereas I'm like a bit more awardy. Do you know cult. what I mean? I've like you're a cult. I'm a I'm a cult. Yeah, I am a cult. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm cool with that. I'm I also, think you just looked at our respective writing CVs and sort of made a decision. It's probably fine. Right. Okay. <laughs> so you're saying that um, my work on World's Craziest Fools went for nothing. <laughs> That was a heck of a show. I wrote links for Mr. T, Paul. Yeah. I know the guy who did that show and he basically had access to Mr. T's Twitter account during the duration of that show. Right. So the two people who were tweeting as Mr. T were Mr. T and a young guy who went to eat him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's an insight into the way the entertainment industry works, guys. 
Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm. First off, I'm happy for Dave. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy he's married. Um, he deserves it. He deserves to be married. Um, I'm happy he's on holiday in St. Lucia. Yeah. I understand that I, as a personality, I'm quite distant. So, <laughs> so I wouldn't necessarily be the first port of call. I, I'm totally cool with it. Is this whole pod going to be you deconstructing Dave asking me to do it? Well, you know how Dave is um, prone to do a lot of graphs and charts? Yes. Um, I've done some graphs and charts. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's, I'm totally cool with it. So um, I guess we should talk about football. I, so, th- and this goes out to the Newcastle Natter listener. I am so sorry that we were unable to record a pod after what is, you know, ha- what has been our greatest victory in possibly two or three years. Yeah. So um, sorry there was no pod after the Man U game. As it turned out, I mean... I didn't get to see the game because I was uh, throwing up in my Bangkok hotel room. <laughs> That's true. Um, I didn't get to see the game. Yeah. How many games have you missed through that exact set of circumstances? Well, throwing up in a Bangkok yeah. hotel room. Um, At least five a season. Well, there was no. Well, there was there were five or six years there where I really was making some poor life choices. <laughs> No, we've got we've got to end the bants and start talking about football, guys. Yeah. Come on. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, um, we you, you didn't miss the Man U game. No, I mean I obviously went back and saw the highlights. We, uh, were, we were very good. It was a tasty bit of three points, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first time in a long time where I've had to watch the kind of final half hour through my fingers. It was that level of tension that we've not had for a while. And then it turned out we had it again the following Saturday. Right, of course, yeah, for completely different reasons. Mm. But um, it's it wasn't the sort of... <coughs> excuse me, I've still got the same cough, guys, that I had six weeks ago. Um, it wasn't... Uh, a, it was basically the opposite of the famous 5-0. Yeah, it was attritional, but we looked... I don't think we looked like we were going to concede. Dubravka had a great debut. Shelby and Diarme looked amazing in the centre together compared to Pogba and oh, there's a Carrick at the end, but I can't remember. I feel like I feel mentally like I'm already beyond that game as a fan. Sure. Yeah, that's understandable. But for me it was it was it was a good moment. <laughs> um so yeah, that, I mean is do we want to say anything else about the Man U game? I mean it's I think it's all sort of been covered. It's all sort of been covered in the mainstream media. Yeah, the it? MSM. We got a, it was a good home performance at last. I guess actually the result against Manu does inform a lot of people's reactions to the Bournemouth game. Right, okay. And uh, articulate for me uh, why. Well, I saw a lot after the game of people saying... Kind of rightly as well. If you'd offered before those two games four points from Manu at home, Bournemouth away, you would have taken that gladly. You would have said that was terrific, but you wouldn't expect expect it to have come that way around. Not well. I think before those games as well, they were two of the 
top three form teams in the league. Really? Well, they have been recently. Bournemouth have been in good form apart from losing inexplicably to Huddersfield. <coughs> the problem with the Bournemouth game is Bournemouth was so terrible for ages that we should have been out of sight. And we kind of were, even at 2-0. I just realised I want to talk a little bit more about the Man U game. Talk Because I hate Jose Mourinho. He, he's never... Like he, never has he ever a, beaten us? He's never won a league game at St. James's Park. At I think St. he's James won a Park. cup game. That is amazing. He was annoyingly gracious in defeat as well, which didn't sit nicely. Well, he was very gracious in the build-up to the game as well, just mm. talking about how much he loved coming to St. James's Park, which I thought was sort of patronising. I mean, that's fine. It's not patronising, but it was like... It was the sort of thing that Jose would say when uh, he doesn't consider you a threat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really don't like Jose Mourinho these days. I don't think anyone... I don't think he's a, a horrible man. He's a bit of a bully and he's not a particularly great manager. You look at the... He's, yeah, he's not even... Look a, at the amount he's spent and you just think... He feels a bit like Mancini towards the end of his Man City reign where you think his next move's probably Turkey or somewhere like that and... Yeah, Jose's next move is will be interesting, won't it? Will it? It'll be to the Shanghai shitsters. <laughs> um, who knows? So uh, yes, let, let's talk properly about the Bournemouth game. Uh, what with that being the most recent, it was uh, away, and uh, we were two 0 up at half time. Yeah, deservedly as well. It was the most comfortable I think I've seen us in the Premier League where you just thought Bournemouth aren't going to score. But they were getting a lot of possession, weren't they, Bournemouth? But we... Sort of. But we seem to be getting all the chances. Yeah. they. I, I don't think Dubravka had a save to make at all, really. Yeah. But uh, he did... Uh, did you see the thing where the, he had his notes in the... Oh, no, that was the player later, but he came on... What was his name, the Bournemouth player? It might have been Smith, but he came on with those notes. I don't know if you saw on Twitter where I they want, showed. And they, he came on with the notes and they tried... Because they, they were talking about that being the turning point, whatever was written down there. Because it was a bit like, you know, Trump had his notes revealed in mm. the um, in that press conference the other day. They they saw his notes. The thing, it wasn't on match the, the paparazzi day. were trying to get... They, they got a photo of... That ball, I don't know who was it, Nathan Lackett? They got a photo of no. the notes that he brought on. And apparently um, in the photo it says um, that we are backed by Labrooks. So go to bet.newcastlepodcast.com for exclusive specials and promotions that we have got for you. And the game hinged on that, I think. Yeah, it was a different sort of a note to the one that you might have been expecting as a listener. It's a, it's a bit different now. The the, the Labrooks message is different. Yeah, different now. Hmm. So, um, uh, going back to the game, <coughs> uh, it's so professional, isn't it? Is it? Dave Watson is so important to the fabric of this podcast, isn't he? Because he, he knows about football. He's got so much to say. Yeah. I mean, I have so much to say, but so little of it is about football. Dave is probably getting all of this out on his honeymoon, though. They'll be having dinner and he'll be going through XG in the first half and how we should have been out of sight. But then 
how it's not really a bad result because you'd, you'd have taken the point away. Fair play to Jay Watson. He made a really good joke today. Uh, yes. This morning, apparently, genuinely, Dave saw Harry Redknapp in WH Smith's at Gatwick Airport. And his now wife said, uh, what do you think Harry Redknapp was buying? And he said, probably Nico Kranko. I, I mean, it's yeah. a good joke. I don't know I'm sure if I believe that she said that. Yeah, but... It's a good joke. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. So, um, going back to the Bournemouth game. Yes, I think we were playing counter-attacking, weren't we? So, which yeah. is which is our want these days. The we, reassuring thing is we seem... That's two games in a row now with Gale and Perez as a sort of a front two or a front number nine and number ten. And we seem able to score through them. Yeah, so the first goal came uh, as a result of uh, a terrific pass from Shelby. Yeah. That put through uh, Richie. And then uh, Dwight Gale bundled it in with a... Bundled it, but then backheeled it, which I thought was a very nice touch. It was nice. Do you think it was a bit flash? Do you think it... No, it was the right thing It was the easiest way to get the ball in, but... It would have been funny if that had gone wrong. Yeah. Well, there were... I'm sure we'll move on to them. There were chances not much harder than that that were missed. It was the first time uh, that Dwight Gale had scored since December. Mm. Um, So it was nice to see him get a goal. And then he got another goal later on from uh, a Perez cross. Yeah, some terrible goalkeeping. It was nice to see Dummett whipping in quite a decent ball as well. I think Paul Dummett, and I know I've said this before on the podcast... I think he is so underrated as a crosser of the ball. Yeah, I think that's sort of fair. I think he's just got a name and a look and a nationality that does not lend itself to comparisons with Roberto Carlos. He looks like the sort of person that would turn up in any position in a Tony Pulis team. But he's actually very quick and got quite a decent cross on him. He's just got that thing where he gets to the halfway line and looks like he would much rather be anywhere else than beyond the halfway line. But he, once he's there, he can... He's not tricksy. No. But he's got some delivery. I'm almost surprised that he doesn't take some set pieces for us. I mean, oh. maybe that sounds radical. I think it does. I've really got my eyes on Paul Dummett's uh, uh, crossing ability. I... Okay. I think he makes a difference to our team when he's in as well. We look defensively more solid, even though we conceded two at the weekend. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, yeah, basically we were 2-0 up. And uh, as the second half commenced, we looked like the only team who were uh, making great opportunities. Yeah. I mean, we got to 80 minutes and it should have been at least 4-0. Which is the annoying thing. So many times this season, we've got the one goal lead. And then been, I think Benitez has said it and other people have said, if we could get that second, then we'd be fine. But now it's looking like we need to get the third yeah, to be guaranteed. Out. Turns out we need more than two. And I think it does... For a team that doesn't score two very often. No. If you can't keep a two-goal lead, it's more indicative of a, a sort of mental fragility in the team. Do you think it was 
more if it is mental do you think it was more a case of a postman you were two nil up complacency or more a case of a were two nil up oh shit they're attacking jitters i think it's more jittery it's mm. a very young squad as well one of the youngest if not the youngest in the league and i think there's just not a lot of experience of grinding results out there. Benitez was talking about experience in his uh, mm. post-match interviews. Because um, there are a lot of Newcastle fans trying to take the positive, which I can understand, <coughs> and saying you would have taken a point away at Bournemouth before the game. Sure. But I, Benitez got them in for training on the Sunday after it as well, cancelled the day off. Right. And I don't think he would have been... His first reaction to getting them in wouldn't have been, well, we'd have taken the point before that. It's it's annoying to throw away a two-goal yeah, lead. Would you have t- yes, you would have taken the point before the game. Yeah. Would you have taken the point when you were 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go? Exactly. No. I see, my Twitter feed after the game was just people annoyed at people who were upset about us drawing the game. And... There was nobody on my feed upset at us drawing the game. It was just all the people annoyed at these. Yeah, I get other a lot people. of that. A lot of reactions to other people. Yeah. <laughs> who I don't follow. So I guess it's like I guess there's the uh the ludicrous fans who are complaining that we didn't bring on more strikers. Yeah. And the ones going Mitrovic scored at Fulham he should have been on the pitch. When we've got a striker that scored two goals in a game. There you go. The problem wasn't Dwight Gale. No. And the, well, what was the problem then? So it, the problem was twofold, wasn't it? It was uh, the fact that we couldn't uh, hold on to a lead and it was the fact that we couldn't take the chances that would have surely seen the game off. Mm. One of those chances uh, was Iosi Perez. Yeah. He had a really nice chance in the six-yard box. Or just outside it. Yeah. Um, I actually think that chance was probably better than Shelby's chance. Shelby's was a really terrible ball for Matsu. That's the thing, because you blame Shelby for that one, but actually the ball came too late and too slow yeah. and gave Nathan Aki. He still it was. should have scored. Sure, but there was a touch in it from the defender, wasn't it, before it got to Shelby? I don't I know think. if he touched it or he just put him off, but he was okay. he was sliding in. He should have scored, but considering the situation they were in, Christian Atsu didn't do him any favours no. there. The problem I have is people saying, like, missing those chances is the reason we lost that game. It sort of implies we were always going to throw away two goals. If you're 2-0 up with 10 minutes to go, the excuse for drawing that game isn't we didn't score a third. That's not the problem with the performance for that game. Well, it is in the in the sense that, well, they're both the problem, aren't they? It's the problem in this. You wouldn't have said that unless we had had such good opportunities. But because we happen to have such good opportunities, you would say, well, if we'd put that away. Yeah, but that for me, that's not the bigger issue. If you look at the way we defended at the end of the Man U game, it sort of felt like they weren't going to score. Right. And that same collective effort and that sort of team responsibility didn't seem to be there. So on Match of the Day, Jojo Shelby got uh, some uh, credit for the part he played mm. in all that we did that was good. 
and he is a very talented man, but he also got a lot of shit yeah. for uh, the goals and for his lack of effort and for his attitude, which is... I mean, he must be 26 now or something, John Joe Shelby. Sort of seems like it's always going to be there, doesn't it? That he's, yeah, he just doesn't seem mentally quite there. It's a bit like Craig Bellamy, who gets to sort of 33 and then matures. Might just but be Craig Bellamy... Always, I, n- I never pictured him not putting in a lot of effort. He always yeah. put in loads of effort. It was just too much of that effort. It was, was into like gobbing off. It's a weird one with Shelby because he just, they highlighted it a bit on Match of the Day where you just see him bending over, doing nothing. I think we've said it before on this. When it looks like Shelby's lost a contact lens, you know you're in trouble. Right, yeah. Because he just doesn't put the effort in. It is amazing. And then he is always the first to blame everyone else. Yeah. Very frustrating player. It is very frustrating. But the most frustrating thing was sort of we would have been 10th for a little while and almost we'd have been on 37, no, not 37 points. I'm going to ask a question now and one that I should know the answer to. Did John Joe Shelby start in the Man U game? Yes. He did. Shelby and Diame, it's sort of, there's a lot of people saying, oh, Mourinho, Mourinho has to come in for Shelby now, which seems ridiculous. If you look at Shelby and Diame have formed a really decent partnership over the last few games. Shelby's doing a lot more tackling. People are saying that Mourinho has to come in to buy Shelby. No, Mikel Mourinho. Has to oh. come in instead of Shelby. Sorry, I thought you were saying that Jose Mourinho. This has is the to problem with in. having Mourinho, is that you always instinctively say I Mourinho. Like, I have missed time. this. God, like, no. if there was, the internet is saying, Jose Mourinho, he just has to come in for John Joe <laughs> Shelby now. But Shelby it's recently like, has started actually doing more defending and covering more ground. Before, we didn't look capable of having just two central midfielders. Well, as I said, I didn't see the Man U game because I was throwing up in my Bangkok hotel room. Yeah. But um, it was a sweep, by the way. Nice. Yeah. It was in a hotel. uh, It was in Bangkok's first five-star hotel, which means it's Bangkok's shittest five-star hotel. (laughs) Because it was like made in the sixties, yeah. really, and it had a a wall of celebrities that had stayed there. Are you on the wall now? No, but I bet I could get on the wall because I would be the closest <laughs> thing they've had to a celebrity stay there since like the Black Eyed Peas in two thousand two. It was like there's not a picture of you just vomiting into a toilet bowl in the, in the, in the lobby. Be. The wall of celebrities was like Thatcher, Reagan. Cliff Richard, <laughs> and then like a couple of tennis players. A lot of snooker players. Feels like that sort of era. No, but I would imagine Marco Fu stayed there. Yeah. Um, Is sorry. that racist? No, it's that just, level it's just of generalisation. I don't think that's racist. Marco Fu is Thai. Yeah. He's got, a, I would imagine, a sizable disposable income. You're taking the. Ex- I would, I would imagine that he's, um, if he hasn't stayed there because he's got a house in Bangkok, I imagine he's taking the wife for a meal there, Paul. <laughs> You're taking the ex foo, the expected level of Marco foo, and applying it to the hotel, much like XG. Right. Okay. 
I mean, we are really in the weeds here. Yeah. But the reason <coughs> the reason we got here is because I was saying that I didn't see the Man U game. But I would imagine that the effort that John Joe Shelby had put in to defending the lead that we had was markedly different to the effort that he put in against Bournemouth. Or am yeah. I wrong, Paul? Towards the end of the game, maybe. I mean, I'm not sure if he was pushed into the number 10 role towards the end of the Bournemouth game. Not that that means he shouldn't still be defending. But he was making some very good tackles in the Man U game and actually looked like a, a decent defensive midfielder. Right. But he just... the. The problem with the end of the Bournemouth game is he just didn't seem to have positional discipline. Like he just looked like he'd left his post, which yeah. is a problem in the way we play because it's we're all about the tactical setup and being in the right place to counter certain moves. And if anyone leaves their post in that, we're not good enough individually to cover that loss. I'm going to leave my post briefly now, mm-hmm. uh, just go for a little break. And then we'll be back with a tiny bit more about Bournemouth and then uh, some of your questions and comments. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. Uh, Dan Gosling got the uh, got the equaliser, didn't he? Mm. Former Newcastle legend. Don't miss him, though. Dan Gosling, that was a kick in the teeth. To have an ex-player do it to you? Yeah, sort of. Dan Gosling's such a nothing player, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's very hard to have. He's the Paul Dummett of the midfield. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't... Yeah. Or it's like when you he's one. Play... He's, he's a step above Danny Guthrie. We're gone. Yeah, I think it's like when we used to play Palace and Peter Ramage would be there. And you just think, and and what? <laughs> How, what am I meant to feel about this? Yeah. But uh, he did uh, get that final goal. But other than that, I don't know what else I have to say about the Bournemouth game. Yeah, it's an annoying one. But I think at least we didn't lose, which seems to be our thing at the moment. We seem to draw frustrating games and then have the ability to pluck the odd result out. But if we could have turned that into three points, which we really should have done. We'd be 11th now. We'd be in a terrific position. At the end of the day. But as it stands, we're 15th, two points above 18th. But our goal difference makes that essentially three points. Yeah, but it's not terrific. And not only if we'd have won that, not only would we be two points to the better, but we would also have uh, a lot more confidence, I would have thought, the next time we go 2-0 up. Yeah, if but there's still again. there's still five teams below us who would happily switch places with us. Hey, you're not wrong there, Paul. So uh, let's have a look at uh, some of our interaction on uh, Twitter, Twitter dot com. What's that? Um, it's a it's a social media app. Um, I got into it because uh, there's this guy I really like who uh, is on it a lot, um, Donald Trump. Um, this Dave actually just recently tweeted. He said, do oh, you miss me? 
Yeah. We've already covered I think, that. I think I've, we clearly do. I think we clearly do. <laughs> I think we are lacking some uh, proper analysis. But that's fine. That's fine. This is a more avant-garde episode. Uh, we got a tweet from Tristan Von Berg. Uh, I'm hoping long-time listener, first-time tweeter, because I'm not familiar with it's a great name. Uh, this name. He says... Uh, Dwight plays the full 90 minutes inside the six-yard box, scores scores goals, no tweaked hamstrings. So I guess what he's saying there is maybe that's a, a the way forward for Dwight Gale. Stop running, just hang around and 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 goal hang. I mean, they were both... Yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily true about the way Gale played then or against Man U as well. Like Man U, he put such a shift in the closing down and there was a lot of that against Bournemouth as well he did a lot of running I think the the key with Gale is that when he's not worried about his hamstrings he seems to just have that extra yard and even that he scored two tap-ins but I don't think Hosselu necessarily would have scored either of those because he's not got the the positional sense to get to get there yeah or the the uh, composure to Back heel it in. Yeah. I mean... I think Hostley would... It might not be generous to say it, but he would possibly have missed one of those two chances. Yeah, I think Hostley could have found himself with his back to goal and the ball bobbling about and got confused and decided to clear it. <laughs> yeah. Geordie um, Ash. Uh, a bit of light-hearted stuff here. Geordie Ash says... Uh, he's got two questions. He says, which current Newcastle player would you most like to go for a Toby Carvery with? Uh-huh. Um, have you got an answer to that, Paul? Rob Elliott. He looks like a man who is, is definitely would know how to approach a Toby Carvery. Yeah, he's not stopping at one meet either. No. He's mixing. See, I in my head, I'm thinking... You've got to make sure there's enough to go around. But Toby Carvery, it's there all day, isn't it? Yeah. You don't need to worry about... Yes, I think... I think and you're Rob... not going to get bothered by people wanting autographs and selfies. It's <laughs> true. With Rob Elliott. I know. I think Robbie Elliott, Rob Elliott probably... Probably spent a lot of his childhood in Toby Carvery. Is yeah. It... I mean, if you were to go with... I don't know. One of our... I wouldn't foreign... want to go with Shelby... I don't think we'd have much to talk about. I think he'd spend his whole time on his phone. He'd be annoyed at a member of staff or something, or a perceived slight from someone. He'd be sat there sipping on his Smirnoff ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, in, not into that. Chancel and Bember would be good fun, because I think you'd have to explain you'd the whole You'd have to talk him through concept. it, and he'd be like, he'd love wait, it. I can have anything I want. He'd be enthusiastic about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I think i change my answer. I want to go with Chancel. Okay, cool. And then the other question, along a similar theme, but different. Which former player would you most like to go for a Nando's with? And he says, this is Geordie Ash. He says, if it helps, I once saw Titus Bramble in Nando's in the gate in Newcastle, and he was loving it. Titus Bramble loves a lot of things. That doesn't make it right. Well, that is true. Me too. I don't think I'd want to go to Nando's with Titus Bramble. Okay, fair enough. I do like a Nando's, though, if that helps. I like one too. 
I actually had a um, one of their non-chicken, but also non-veg things the other day. What is it? The Prego steak roll or something? I don't know. I had something like that. I went for a non, and it was pretty good. You're so, very hard to pigeonhole. One week you're in Bangkok's first five-star hotel, the next you're in Nando's. I know. I know. That is the sort of life, life I lead. So, um, Tino Esprilla would Tino be Esprilla. good value in a Nando's. It'd be nice to take Tino Esprilla. Because there'd be a lock-in. Somewhere. I mean, as soon as a question starts with which former Newcastle player, the answer <laughs> should always be Tino Esprilla. Yeah. Which former Newcastle player would you like to? Or even if it's a trivia question 10 years from now, like which former Newcastle player was imprisoned for <laughs> six months for? It's going to be Tino Esprilla, yeah. But when you see those videos of him on a Segway dressed as a dinosaur. That's how he entertains himself at home. Think what he could do in a Nando's. Hang on, I have a vague memory of that. That's a yeah. real thing, right? Yeah. He's on a Segway dressed as a Nando's, just in his own home in the afternoon. You know how Esprilla always has loads of pictures of him with, like, women in bikinis? Yes. Do you think they're prostitutes, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean... Because he's not... I mean, he's, whatever attractiveness he had, he's not held on to. He's certainly larger than he was. Yeah. Maybe know. maybe it's just true love. Maybe it's Between just true him love. And all those women. Maybe it's true love. So, um, <coughs> Andy Sheldon says, uh, given our organisation and chances we are creating, if Slomani comes in as the nigh on thirty million pound striker Leicester paid for him, where do you f- see us finishing this season? Well, he's not. He's not going to be able to play that many games for us, is he? It's I think about five games seems to be... Time is really dwindling we'll down. It and feels if, like if less Gale's of a scoring problem. all them goals, then he won't be needed. But mm. I guess the reason why he'd be needed in some games is that Gale... Gale's a good finisher. He seems to be in a bit of form at the moment, but he's not... He's not great on his own up front. No, Slomani is an altogether uh, higher quality package. Yeah. He can sort of do everything quite. He's he's Gale and Hosselu and Mitrovic rolled into one, like their strengths. So if if Slomani comes in and plays eight games... Is that impossible, is he now? I think that's impossible. Okay, let's say it's your five games, which may be uh, it not could be the what difference. Andy had in mind. Yeah, what? where do you see us finishing? Could be the difference. Could be what yeah. keeps us safe. Well, there's not many games where we're out of it at the moment. So they do tend to hinge on one or two chances that we either convert or don't. But again, for me, the worry is, if you look at the Bournemouth capitulation... It wasn't a case like it has been previously. The ball just kept coming back to us, back to us because we were clearing it up, and there was no one holding it up. It was just we lost shape and composure. And Slimani's not going to fix that. So I think there's there's more work to be done on the training pitch before worrying about that. It's a nice problem to have up front now because we've Gale, who's not really looked in form for ages, seems. Like he's getting there. He's our top scorer on five, I think, now. Mm, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, and finally, Martin Lee 
okay, Marty Lamousse, says, <coughs> excuse me, um, what do you think our approach should be against Liverpool? And that is our next upcoming game. He says, go for it like we played again. Go for it like we played in the Keegan era or park the bus, train and plane. I mean, we're not going to be going for it like we did in the Keegan era. That, no. That's something we can safely say we won't be going doing. But should we be, Paul? No. No, like, clearly not. Not against that Liverpool team where if you leave any space, they will run into it and destroy you. I think the best tactic is, like when I was growing up, we'd occasionally have to be dragged to church, but you'd just lie there and pretend to be asleep in, the hope, in the hope that you'd get out of it. I think we just lie there and pretend to be asleep. Sorry, I thought you were like lying in, in down in church pretending to be no, asleep. No, no, no. Like if you had to go, you'd be like, maybe if I pretend to be asleep here, we won't have to go. And was that ever successful? I think a couple of times. But God were. knew, didn't he, Paul? Yeah, but I don't believe in him, so it's fine. Right. But I think our best tactic against Liverpool is just if the players stay in bed and just stay asleep and maybe the game will get... I'm not sure I know what you mean, Paul. Do you mean... (laughs) I think try and just not get the game played. Right, so basically you think we are lambs to the slaughter. Uh, Sort of are, aren't we? Although I think when you consider actually we played... What are our two results against Man City? Certainly the first time we was 1-0, wasn't it? 1-0 and 2-0, I think, wasn't it? And the first time we were... Man City were very much firing on all cylinders at that stage in the season. They were scoring yeah. a lot of goals against everyone. And we were able to put ourselves in a situation where we could have got something from that game yeah. just by very much parking the bus. And it's a different package, but we did manage to do something similar against Man United. So maybe, yes, Liverpool are, are a very impressive attacking Especially at home. But getting caught into the idea that we should be uh, attacking their weaknesses in defence would be fool's gold. I think with the players we've got, yes. Maybe maybe we'll be lucky enough to get something on the counter-attack. This is the worry for me. I... I think we might see Hosselu come back in for this one. Do you reckon? What, to, for some hold-up play? Yeah, well, just because any time we're pressed all over the park, and Liverpool press, especially at home, and we have quite a panicky defence that loves a good hoof up the park. Right. And if you keep doing that against Liverpool with Gale up front, it's just going to be... You'll be looking at about 10% possession. Well, that wouldn't be... The most that doesn't sound like the most stupid idea to me. It's not sustainable though. You need an outlet if you're going to be pressed. No, I'm saying using Hosselu doesn't sound like the most stupid idea to me. So uh, I guess we come to that time of the show, Paul. Where I'm going to ask you for your prediction for us in the Liverpool game. Three-one Liverpool. Three-one Liverpool. But we'll take the lead. Yeah, us taking the lead seems like. That's what we do. There can't be many teams that have lost more points from a winning position than us this season. Can't be, can there? Uh, Yeah, Saturday, it's the late kickoff. It's on BT Sport. Maybe we could go watch it, Paul. 
Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, you're saying 3-1 Liverpool. I'm going to say 4-0 Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm... Pers- yeah, we're away. We're at Anfield. I could see us getting a goal. I think 3-1 is a good shout, but I'm going to say 4-1 Liverpool. Mm. I could see us getting the first goal, though. Okay, but then that wouldn't be so bad. Then we've got Southampton at home. And then we've got Tottenham away, which is not great, but we do do well against Tottenham away. Yeah. And at Wembley. It's a Friday night. That'll change, I think, with Spurs and the FA Cup. Should we get a ticket? I think. One between the two of us. (laughs) I think that game's going to move. So I don't think Spurs will be the next one. Oh, it's a Friday night. It's on Sky. I don't think it's going to be. Oh, okay. They got through to the next round of the FA Cup, didn't they, I think? You're a real know-it-all. <laughs> okay. So uh, that brings us towards the end of the show. And I'd just like to say happy nuptials to uh, Dave Watson. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. But happy. come back. <laughs> come Do on. come back because we're really low on graphs here. <laughs> we, d- we don't know any stats. I'm, it's just guesswork. I'm just looking at a web page with the score of the game. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, have a lovely uh, rest of your honeymoon, Dave. Um, I hope this podcast has got you in the mood. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, thank you to you, the Newcastle. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you to you, the Newcastle Natter listener. Thank you to you, Paul. <laughs> Thank you. I Paul think. is truly repulsed by that because, I mean, weird. I just... Well, I just said it for some tongue-in-cheek, but it feels like you've really pictured it. Um, oh, you you paint images. I do. It's well, it's gift. Much, I, I do. I do it not only with my voice, but also with my writing skills, which <laughs> could have come in handy. Um, I think you just wanted something a bit more mainstream. No, I understand. No, listen, if you want mainstream that's never going to win an award, go to Paul Dillon. <laughs> Seriously, if you, that's what you want, it's true. go for him. <laughs> if you want Mrs. Burns Boys without the swears. Oh, that's low. Uh, well, thank you very much, Paul Dillon. Thank you. I think you're an excellent writer. And... Um, And thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? 
chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk and we're also available on all podcast platforms including iTunes, Acast and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.